Kids are so cute. They are. They're wonderful. Kids are just wonderful. And, and you know what? Elijah is a wonderful kid. But he's also all over the place, right? So I, I try to be a good father. Try to be the best father I can be and the, the best husband I can be, you see. But it turns out I'm not perfect. <laughs> turns out I make mistakes. Turns out that I get frustrated. Elijah wanted to see his video on YouTube, you know, and he knows how to get there on my phone, which is amazing, but he just scrolls through and he turns on the video. But then the video's playing and he's like, oh, I don't want to watch this part of the video, right? So he grabs my hand and pulls me to the phone. Or he pulled up one of those pop-up screens, right? So he grabs my hand and pulls me to the phone. And I try to do what I think it is that he's asking me to do. And then he's like, no, that's not what I want you to do. And he has a meltdown and flops on the floor. And then I, okay, what about if I turn on trash trucks, right? Because he loves watching trash trucks just lift the garbage and drop it. I don't know what it is about that. But he loves it. And, and so I'm like, okay, let me turn on the trash trucks. And he's like, I don't want the trash trucks. Throws another meltdown. You see, my son's nonverbal. He doesn't communicate with me so I have to guess what it is that he wants on the videos and after three or four tries I finally find what he wants and he watches it for a minute and then he wants something else <laughs> parents are all laughing because they know kids will play with blocks for about two three minutes and then uh, well I'm done with blocks let's go on to the next thing and then it's that cycle all over again and I get frustrated you see, it turns out I'm not perfect. It turns out I still have to work on some things. And so I think about that, and I think about what God said. He said, be holy. And if we misunderstand holiness, and oh man, we might think that means perfection. Like we're going to be all good at that moment. God is going to make us completely like, oh, we're going to have the most patience in the world, and everything's going to be hunky-dory in life, and then I don't know. Is that what it means to be holy? What do you think of when you hear the word holy? What comes to mind? Because for me growing up, it, it was that word that brought, the, oh, the church is holy. You know, you don't bring soft drinks into the church or sodas into the church, and when the pastor's preaching, you always listen and put down your thing that you were doing, crossword puzzles, whatever it is. The church is holy. You don't, you don't yell and scream in church. You can yell and scream at home, but you don't yell and scream in church because the church is holy. That's a holy place. That's what I was thinking when I grew up, right? I thought a priest, you know, priests are holy. Matter of fact, some priests in, in some churches, in the Orthodox Church especially, they come out the back. No one even sees them before the service. They come out the back and they pop in and they stand behind a thing and they do their churches. Oh, they're holy. That person is really close to God. I think of missionaries. Oh, the people way over there, pastors. You know. That's what I thought of when I was growing up. We made jokes that were, were sometimes that we're, we're wearing our holy socks. You ever heard that joke? You know those socks where your toe's popping out the, the front there? Some of us are wearing them right now if we take off our shoes. It's a holy day. You're wearing your holy clothing. It's cool. <laughs> we made jokes like that, right? Hollywood certainly gave us a view of holiness, didn't it? 
Oh man, that, oh, that big giant mountain with those big stairs that went around in circles around it up and down and you'd have to trek all the way up to the top with like water on your shoulders and then you'd get up there and there'd be some monk sitting in a, in a monastery with his legs crossed doing one of these things and ignoring you. As a snake did one of these things. Oh, that's holy. What do you think of when you hear the word holy? What comes to mind? Is holiness in your mind still just for the preacher and the missionary? Or the church is where holiness happens? Some monk out there in isolation, is that holiness? Did you grow up thinking it was just related to church activities? One of my favorite memories the past few years is when I got ordained. I still remember it. It was in the church at Marietta, California. And they had us back at doors kind of like this, except for they had three separate doors. And we sat back there. And they always have the ordinands walk in after they've sung the first worship song, right? And, and so the song starts playing, and it's, and it's the same song every year for all the ordinands. This year, they'll, they'll probably do a service at the district assembly, and, and they'll have that same song. It's, they start singing, Holiness unto the Lord is our watchword in song. Holiness unto the Lord as we're marching along. And then they do the sing it, shout it loud, and long. And it's always fun because they, there's always that, that guy who has that giant voice like my grandpa's and he's baritone, right? And he's loud and long, right? It's so fun. I love that song. Holiness unto the Lord now and forever. That's what they sing as you're walking in to get ordained. Whew. Holiness is important. And I get excited about it because as I read it, holiness isn't just for the pastor. Mm -mm. It isn't just for the missionary. It isn't just for some priest up in the mountains in the isolation up there. It isn't for that guy. It isn't just at church. <laughs> we can all, all of us, live holy lives this side of heaven. Every last one of you. Matter of fact, you're called to it. And so we go to Peter in his letter, 1 Peter 1. We're going to be in verse 13 through 20. But in his letter, he gives us a look at holiness and what holy living looks like. If you read the entire letter, you're just like, oh, that's what it looks like. It was written to believers who were being persecuted and struggling to live a life that is pleasing to God in a world that has forgotten all about God. Does that sound familiar? Does that sound familiar to you? They're struggling to live a life that is pleasing to God in a world that has forgotten God. <laughs> we are told throughout Scripture to be holy and live a life of obedience, and those are two things that are, that are really hard, almost impossible without God's help especially in this world that we live in and grew up in. 
Then he comes to Leviticus 11.44, so it's not just a New Testament thing. Leviticus, Old Testament, 11.44, God says, I am the Lord your God. Consecrate yourselves and be holy, because I am holy. So what does that mean even? In the, in the Old Testament, people of God are told to live lives that are set apart. The entire Old Testament law wasn't about rules and regulations. It wasn't given as a set of, oh, do this, do that, do this, do that, do that. No, it was given so that the people can live lives set apart for God. So they can live lives that are different from those of the people around them. And that's what the word holy really means. It's translated different. A holy person is not an odd person. They're a different person. Their life has a quality about it that is different than those around them. Their present lifestyle is not only different from their past way of life, it is also different from the lifestyles of the world around them. So God's holiness is defined as being set apart, being separated, being different from the world around you. Separated from sin and impurity and set apart for God. Boy, it's a different life. And this is the thought that Peter goes into, 1 Peter 1, 13 through 20. It's this thought about holiness. It's repeated in the text. And it reads this. Therefore, with minds that are alert and fully sober, set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is real at his coming. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. Be different. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. Leviticus 11.44 Be set apart. Be different. Do you know in the Old Testament, nothing is holy except in relation to God. A stick is just a normal stick. Until God's involved, then you do mighty things. A person is just a normal person until God's involved. Then they do mighty things. A building is just a normal building until God's involved. And then it becomes something more. Matter of fact, in the Old Testament, the, the, the fires would rest upon the temple there because God's Spirit was there in the Holy of Holies, right? And in the New Testament, what happens? There in the upper room, and the fire rests like tongues of fire above each one of their heads. I am holy, you be holy. I'm now living within you. And, and the argument isn't 
that hard to follow. He says, as obedient children. As obedient children. We are all sons and daughters of the one true king, yes? We were adopted into the very family of God when we were saved. <laughs> and children inherit the nature of their parents, yes? And if God is holy, as his children, we should live holy lives. He calls his children, those who profess his name, those who believe on him, to holiness. He calls us to live differently. I don't know if you've noticed, I'm going to go back to that beginning part. <laughs> I don't know if you've noticed, but most of the world around us is not living holy lives. I don't know if you noticed that watching Netflix lately. Or TV or the Oscars. So what does God mean exactly when he says holiness? What exactly does being set apart and different look like? We have to understand he doesn't mean perfect. I'm not perfect. I know, that's hard. I make mistakes. I probably made a few in this building. <laughs> he doesn't mean that you're better than anyone else. It doesn't mean that you are no longer going to make mistakes. It does mean that in your conduct and your actions and your decision making, you will live a life that is pleasing to God, that is consecrated to God. You see, all of life is holy as we live to glorify God. Every action, every decision, everything that we're thinking is to glorify God. Even the ordinary activities of life, like eating and drinking, they can be done to the glory of God. All of life is holy as we do it to the glory of God. Matter of fact, if you think about it, if it cannot be done to the glory of God, you can be sure that it's probably outside the will of God. If you're about to make a decision on something and you're sitting there and going, well, can this bring glory to God? And the answer is no, probably don't do it. If something cannot be done to the glory of God, you can be sure that it is outside of the will of God. The truth is, no one should ever have to wonder, well, is, are, are, is she a Christian then? Is he a Christian? I wonder if he follows that Jesus feller. No one should ever have to ask that. They should just see it and be like, oh, that's different. 
they're doing something different with their life. They're, there's something that's different. Matter of fact, when I got saved, I was living a certain way. And so I got saved and then I started changing and things were different and God was transforming me. And then my family started looking at me and going, well, there's something different. And my friends were like, hey, you're different. <laughs> like, what happened? People should never have to wonder, well, is, is, are they a Christian? There should be something different about your life. You shouldn't be afraid to use the word holy. It means that we are changed. And matter-of-factly, that we're still being changed. That when we make mistakes, God is there and he's like, okay, well, let's own it. <laughs> and then we own it and we keep moving forward with God. It, it means that we are set apart for his glory and sold out for Christ. It means that I can roll down all my windows and bump my Christian music <laughs> as I'm rolling down the street. It's a committed life. A holy life is a committed life. 2 Corinthians 5.17 Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are becoming new. It's a committed life. It's different. It's different from our past lifestyles, and it's different from the world around us. Do not conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the Renewing of your mind, it says in Romans. And listen, God does not require perfection of us for us to have fellowship with him. Oh. Some people hear the word Nazarene and they go, oh, you're those people that believe in holiness. And I'm like, yes, we do. And so should you. And then they, they, they go on and go, well, you think you're better than... No, whoa, hold, stop, pause. No, I am not above reproach. God does not require perfection for us to have fellowship with him. He expects us to take seriously our lives that are committed to him. And holiness doesn't just happen on Sunday in the church. It's not just for the church. If you grew up thinking, oh, well, I can't go to church and cuss and do, yell at my mom and dad, and I wouldn't do that at the church, then probably not do that at home. Would you think that God was, like, sequestered here at the church? No, he's everywhere. <laughs> and surely I am with you always. I'm going with you. Matter of fact, this whole building that we call the church, might disappear one day. It's nice. Real nice. But it's just brick and mortar. Did you think God's church was sequestered to brick and mortar? No, you are the church. God's People are the church. If we gathered down the street, we would be the church. 
If we gathered in a canoe somewhere, and we all had our own canoes because we wouldn't all fit in one. If we gathered on a lake, we'd be the church. If this whole building built down, burnt down and we had to gather in the gym, we'd be the church. Matter of fact, during COVID times, you had to gather out there by the gym, didn't you? Were you not the church then? You're the church. God's people are the church. So if this building ceased to be, we'd be first forced to go out and be holy and live holy lives out there with the people. You see, holiness is every day, every aspect of your life. Holiness is a lifestyle. In Matthew 5, 16, it says, Let your light shine before men that they might see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. So they might see that you are different in what you're doing your conduct and your actions, and they might glorify your Father. So it's pleasing to God, and it glorifies God. And it's our lifestyle. It's every day, every aspect. It reflects Christ to this world that desperately needs to see Christ. It reflects it to your family. It reflects it to your workplace. Ooh, that's a hard one, isn't it? Sometimes we go to work and we act a little different, don't we? We get a little more frustrated with that one employee. Hmm. The truth about that one employee is once that one employee is gone, there's going to be another one employee. There's always someone at the bottom of the work pole. The nail that sticks out the hardest always gets hammered, but there's always a nail that sticks out. Well, how about we love that person? Encourage that person, spur that person on, build that person up so he can be better. Holiness will show in our lives to the glory of God. People look at our lives and be like, man, I want that. And they will glorify your God who's in heaven. It's an action word, you see. It isn't just a place. It's just people. It's, a, it's an action word. Peter said with minds that are fully alert. Prepare your minds for action. You see, we don't need to be isolated like that monk, right? That's not what we mean by holiness. Holiness doesn't mean go isolate yourself and just be the holiest person you can be in isolation. Now, now that's what we mean. Yes, we need to be set apart. We need to be separated from the world. We need to be different from the world around us, and yet we need to make an impact on it.
We need to let that light that is from within shine out into the lives of others and so they can see our good deeds, see our work, see the way that we're living our life, see the things that we're doing, see that we are different, see that we are set apart, and then glorify our God who's in heaven. They need to see something different. Unfortunately, a lot of times they see nothing different with the church. They see a bunch of people that gather together, have a Bible study, or book club, really, and then they go out and act the same way. There's nothing different. God calls us to be different, to be set apart, to be holy. Peter says in verse 14, As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. You've been adopted into the very family of God when you trusted in Christ. Peter's telling you, don't return to those old habits. Don't do that. Don't do that. It's like the person who has a yard sale and they put out all their junk because they... They think no one's going to buy it, right? And then someone buys it and they go, well, I don't really want to sell that junk. Really wanted that lamp. Imagine if I threw away my trash at night and then I, in the morning I got up and went out to the trash can and was like, well, where'd that old cup go? <laughs> I picked that out of the trash can. Don't return to that old stuff. You've been changed. You've been new. Let's move forward. Because he's got more for you. Oh, you thought this was it? No, I got more. It's blessings upon blessings upon blessings. It's grace upon grace upon grace. I got more. You'll be so full of the Holy Spirit and still want more. He's telling us not to return to those old habits, the ways we used to live before Christ was in our lives. And it's not about a list of do's or don'ts and rules and regulations. It's an in divine impulse to want to conform to the character of God, to be more Christ-like. It's a desire to please God in every action that we have. It's not that we're above reproach. It's not that we're unable to sin. Like suddenly, like the Holy Spirit comes in and now, whoop, I, I can't sin no more. No, trust me, I can sin. I am human, I'm flesh and blood. If you cut me, I bleed, I can sin. It is not that we are unable to sin, it is that we are enabled by the power of the Holy Spirit not to. You are enabled not to. You no longer should have a desire to sin. And through the empowering of the Holy Spirit, you can overcome. And when you do fail, when you do come up short, you can own it. You can, big, big word, you know, repent. You can be like, oh, I went the wrong way. Let me turn back around. And if something is revealed in you that perhaps needs 
to be changed because often that happens. We sit in church and we hear something from the pastor and we're like, oh, well, I didn't read it that way and I'm maybe I should change some things. We can own it and we can surrender it and we can lay it at the altar. We can lay it at the altar of our life and just give it to God and our Heavenly Father forgives us and we move once again toward obedience to God. That's what holiness looks like. That's what it is. Don't overcomplicate it. It's a life that is set apart, that is different, that is consecrated to God and owns their stuff and surrenders their stuff and moves once again. And you may be asking at this point, well, oh, that's all good. Cool. Got it. I'm with you. But how do I do that? How do I live this out, though? What are some habits as believers that we can put into our lives today that are pleasing to God? And I'm glad you asked, because I got five of them. <laughs> I got five. The first one, we need to understand that Scripture is a guide for our lives. Scripture is a guide for our lives. God's people should love God's Word. Ooh. There it is, right from the beginning. Let's just throw that one out there. God's people should love God's word. It's not the centerpiece on a coffee table. I mean, I go to so many houses and there's like a Bible sitting open to their whatever verse, right? How about we read the Bible? It's not a centerpiece. It sits on a coffee table somewhere. It is the word of God for our lives, and it should be read every day. And I know what you're thinking, man, what if I miss a day? Well, don't feel bad. It's not about do's and don'ts, rules and regulations. Just go back to it. Read it the next day. Let's keep moving forward. And if the Holy Spirit's convincing you that you missed quite a few days, okay, cool. Let's, let's own it and move forward. It should be hidden within our hearts. We should be in it so much that it's just written on the heart spaces. And so that when we're in difficult circumstances, when we're out there in the world and someone brings up something, the Holy Spirit can be like, hey, remember what you read? I caught you. Second thing. God's people should seek him daily through prayer. Oh, man. So you should love God's word. You should know who God is. If you're in a relationship, you should know who the other person is, right? And then maybe communicate with that person. I don't know if that's important. Like, I don't know if I can call someone my best friend if I never talk to them. I know all about a lot of people. You can Google all about Mike Trout. You can know where he grew up, what his favorite uh, ice cream is. You can know all about Mike Trout. But I never talk to the guys. <laughs> I don't really know him. If you're consecrated to God and fully committed to him, you should be speaking to him. <laughs> Hi, how's it going? Yeah, I'm fully committed to my wife, right? But what if I never spoke to her? 
think that would work out for her? Would she be like, yeah, that's great, sweet. What if I was fully committed to my wife and I only spoke to her when things were going bad? <laughs> hey, sweetie, I had a bad day. Uh, today sucked. All right, cool, I'm gonna go play video games now. Man, I would have a shoe in the back of my head. Wouldn't work. She would throw a chunkler around the corner. <laughs> That's silly. God's people should seek him daily through prayer. Third thing, God's people realize that being a Christian is not easy. But they're sold out anyway. Jesus suffered. We see it. We've seen it on Good Friday. We've seen it throughout Scripture. He suffered. And his followers, they're willing to do the same if necessary. And we see that too. You think Paul didn't suffer? You think Peter didn't suffer? You think they all had easy times? Now, we're not always asked to suffer in the same ways that Christ did. He's not... Not us, but if we look on the missionary fields, some of them are. See people's heads chopped off. And we tell you we, you know, we have missionaries in such and such place. We never tell you their names. That put them in danger. Now listen, listen, Christ died for us. Most people do not need you to die for them. I tell you that right now. As a matter of fact, a lot of people need you to live for them. Hmm. They need you to be different. Some people can use a bit of your time. How valuable is time in our culture? We just don't spend enough time with people. I don't have time to do that. I'm busy. I have to do this, this, and this, and this. And I, I have, you can't call me with this right now. I'm sorry that you're going through that. But I'm busy. Some people just need a little bit of your time. You just slow down and be like, okay, let me hear you out. If we're devoted to Christ, what breaks his heart will break ours as well. And we'll find time to be with our families, to be with our friends be with that random person that came up to you while you were working. Fourth thing. God's people live each day by the Holy Spirit. In the empowering of the Holy Spirit. That's super important. 
You keep in step with the Holy Spirit. When he moves, you move. When he stops, you stop. When he slows down, you slow down. When he goes left, you go left. When he goes right, you go right. You follow in step with the Holy Spirit. Well, what if I can't hear the Holy Spirit, right? Oh, hold on. Mm. Is there something we need to own? <laughs> we need to be inviting and allowing the Holy Spirit to be active in our lives, not just at church, but 24-7. Every day, in every situation, no matter where we are, we need to be like, oh, I'm aware that God is present in this situation. Now, why does God have me here? Because God can use you anywhere. And finally, God's people love being in God's house. <laughs> With God's people. Hebrews 10.25 says, Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another. Let us spur one another on. Let us build one another up. You see, these days it seems like church is something we do on Sundays. Oh man, church can be at pickleball. Right there, right there. Spur one another on. Encourage one another. Because for too many people, it's, it's just church, right? We meet, we sing, the pastor speaks, we sing, then we leave, and we go, and we eat lunch somewhere, and we apply nothing that we heard. It goes in one ear, out the other, we're kind of impacted at the moment, and God's kind of churning things in our heart, but then we go out there, and we have our coffee and our donuts, and we forget all about it. And some of us do it habitually. We're just like, okay, so it's Sunday. I have to get up and I have to go to church and then I'm going to do church and then we're going to go and then I have to take care of this after that and i got all these lists of things to do. So even while you're in church sitting in the pews, you're thinking about what you have to do next. You haven't stopped to think about what God is doing in your life right now. Listen, we cultivate holiness by living holiness. We meet together to worship God, to encourage one another, to spur one another on, and to be sent out into a world that desperately needs to know about God. God's people love being in God's house with God's people. I loved basketball, I would, I would never go, hey, you want to go do a pickup game of basketball? I'd never be like, uh, I don't know if I do. You ever hear a golfer and they're like, hey, free round of golf down the place. They're like, ah, shoot, I don't want to be on the golf course. Or a fisher. You're like, hey, you want to go fishing? And they're like, eh. No, most of them are like, oh, man, I wish I was at the lake. Or they're sitting there and they're, they're bored at home and they're like, hey, I wish I was playing a pickup game of basketball right now. And with what kind of people would you be with if you were playing a pickup game of basketball? Other people who love basketball. And then you'd be learning things because they'd be teaching you things. There'd be that guy that's shooting those threes from the corner and you're just like, wow, I got to defend this better and I got to learn and grow. 
God's people love being with God's people in God's house. Now, for sure, man's idea of holiness is keeping the appearance of goodness. Yeah, look at me. I'm good. I'm great. It's about being religious. Have you ever heard that word holier than thou? Yeah, that guy, he's holier than thou. You know that people don't actually like that person. (laughs) Don't try to be that person. You're not. You have flesh and blood. Pinch yourself. I bet you it hurts. It's it's about doing good deeds to make themselves feel better. Look what I did. I gave to the poor today. I feel good. God's definition of holiness is commitment to him. It's a willingness to allow God to come in and change us into the image of his son into the Christ-likeness, into the likeness of the Son, so that every time people see us, they see us and they go, oh, that's a work of God. You're a work of art. God is working, he's molding. His... People see different pictures, they're like, oh, that's a Michelangelo. They can recognize it. When they see you, they should be like, oh, that's, that's a work of God. It, it, God's definition of holiness is a desire to please God. A willingness to allow him to come in and change our lives. Commitment to him. Be consecrated to me and be holy, for I am holy. So which one do you want this morning? Do you want God working in your life and on you and through you? Or to spend your life chasing things that you hope God will be okay with? You know I'm going to go after this. Maybe God will be okay with me going after this. You're not perfect. None of us are. Not a single one of us. 